Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Today, as we talk about marriage and family, our marriage and family has a story. That's right. And for those who have been married any length of time, hopefully your story has just gotten better as time has gone along. Some of you are in here, and, and, and we say this almost every time we do a marriage uh, message, some of you are in here and go, you know what, I didn't know Christ before, and, and I made some mistakes, and, and, and this isn't my first marriage, and, and we always say it this way, it's okay, it's okay. the grace of God covers, just make sure this is your last one. Come on. Just, just let's get this one right. <laughs> wherever you're at, wherever you're at, just, just let's get this one right, and let the grace of God come and cover, and that we're just, we want to equip you guys and give y'all just some of the things that God's taught us over the years. In two weeks, I believe it's two weeks. In two weeks is our wedding anniversary, and we will have been married 33 years. And it's amazing how Eugene's got gray hair after 33 years, and I don't have one gray hair on my head. Isn't that amazing? God has smiled on me with about 10 cans of cover-up in the meantime. It's cost me a fortune. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it will to the day I die. So, but we always do our marriage messages or conversations, and we always talk about, you know, everything that we're wonderful at. And so, I'm kidding. And so, and we know what it's like to sit in the audience because y'all can look and go, okay, well, if I had a husband like Pastor Eugene, then I'd have a great marriage. Or if I had a wife like Miss Heidi, then we'd have a great marriage. Okay, what y'all don't know is behind the scenes. And so today we thought, you know what? Let's not talk about everything we did right. Let's talk about some things that we did wrong. Because every single one of us can go and go, we've done some really stupid things. But for the grace of God that's covered, that we took responsibility when we realized that we were on the wrong path, and we made some corrections to get back on a path that would bring glory and honor to God through our marriage. And prayerfully, that's been the case. And even to this day, we still mess up and still blow it. And we still go back to God and to one another and take ownership and go, nope, we're going to get this right. This isn't going to derail us. We're going to get this right. We're going to make the corrections and we're going to keep going forward. So we've got a real special treat for y'all that someone's going to come and help us talk about yeah, we didn't want to just yeah. tell all the junk in our trunk. We wanted them to tell the junk in their trunk, too. Yeah. So, uh, and plus, we wanted y'all to get yeah. a chance to really know both of them even, even better. I know many of you know uh, Pastor Myron and Courtney. But I, I wanted, we wanted to bring them up because they've got a really unique story as well. And they've done some really stupid stuff. <laughs> and we just went, we got to tell all the people all the stupid stuff y'all have done. How many of you have done some stupid stuff? Go ahead, raise your hand. I just want to make sure. Okay, I want to make sure we're not, this is not the holy church. So, uh, Pastor Myron and Courtney have been married 21 years. They've been married 21 years. Two children. Uh, they have Mason. He's 16. He's a basketball star at St. Thomas More. And then they have Sadie, who is 12. And she's probably singing in the children's church today. And uh, I, I, we're actually going to have Sadie up here. She's going to sing for you coming soon. You tell, we, got a little, we, got a little, we got a little Adele spirit up on her. She gonna, she gonna, she's 12 and uh, just precious, loves the church. And, uh, so, and, and then, of course, they have Stella the horse. They have a horse and a dog named Trip. They married, they, they met each other. Let me just tell this story for, real quick if they want to add anything. They, they met, Myron was playing basketball at Virginia Tech, and Courtney was a cheerleader. That's right. So while Myron was supposed to be practicing his free throws, he was flirting with the cheerleader. 
And that bud, the, the interest and the romance, they got married. Myron went into coaching. They've traveled all over the country. Uh, Myron's originally from this area, from Mamu. The, the, he hails from Mamu. Spent most of his adult uh, growing up years in Lake Charles. And uh, our Courtney, was, she's an East Coast girl. And uh, they married, traveled on the uh, college basketball coaching circuit, Colorado, uh, wherever. They went everywhere. And then the Lord led them back here. And uh, Myron has an MBA in business, started some businesses, doing very successful, got connected to Our Savior's Church. And uh, he can tell you, he knew the Lord was calling him to preach when you were, what, 12? About 12 years old. And he told his mama, I ain't, I, I'm not doing it. And how many of you know you can run on for a long time? And about 10 years ago, eight years ago or so, they said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the call of God on my life. Just sold a couple of his businesses. So he's the richest guy in the church right now. Stop it. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> and uh, so he could devote himself to full time, back home, where he belongs, this part of the world with Courtney. And uh, we wanted y'all to get to know Courtney, too, because you're going to love her because she's still the cheerleader. She's like, oh, yeah, all right, Amen. So would you please stand your feet and welcome to this stage, Myron, Pastor Myron and Courtney. And Courtney. You're over there, man of God. Seems a little far, but that's okay. <laughs> well, you you want to say anything to these people, Myron? You want to say anything to these people? What was what I said true? What you said was very true. It was true. Um, you you know the the thing about it, what people don't know, we met in New Orleans. We were at Virginia Tech, and I had a game schedule. We my coach rescheduled our game because the football team was playing in the Sugar Bowl, and I actually met her in New Orleans, but I was trying to date her all the way back in Virginia, but her, one of her friends liked me, so they wouldn't allow me to, they wouldn't let us talk. Oh, it was like a triangle, yeah, love triangle. Yeah, she was a hater. <laughs> Courtney, what was his line? What was his, what was his opening line to you? Do you remember, was it, did he have any game back in the day? He still has game. <laughs> That's my girl. <laughs> Anything you want to say, Courtney? He still has games. That's all I need to say. <laughs> what, what was when you first, your interest in him, what was it? Was it, uh, I mean. Um, look at him. <laughs> I mean, handsome and just very smart, um, attentive, um, I mean, all the things. He just caught my interest right away. First place you kissed? Oh, uh, wow. Parking lot. Parking lot in college. <laughs> hey, you know, I, like I said, I played ball, so um, you got to shoot, you got to shoot your shot. <laughs> And I, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that you, if you don't shoot, you don't make it. So 50-50 chance, I took a 50-50 chance. Just a little nugget for you men, just a nugget. But, but the thing about it, what I liked about Courtney is that she was very sincere. And um, she is who she is. I, I mean, what you see in terms of energy, energy um, just loves people, cares about people, very attentive to people. That's how she's been for 21 years. Um, it, it hadn't changed. When I first met her, she was that way. And even now, um, even more so because God has been definitely working on both of our hearts. Uh, that, that's, that's the thing that I love about her is that she, when she loves, she loves very, very hard. Mm. And so I'm an, um, I'm an honored man because I know my wife loves me. Mm. Amen. Okay, so let's, let's catch everybody up real quick. So, Courtney, did you grow up? I mean, did, y grow, did you grow up in church, Christ? You're, here you are at Virginia Tech. I'm sure y'all just doing your thing. I mean, 
kind of walk us through that. No, I did not grow up in church. I mean, we went when we were we went when we were little um, to an Episcopal church, and then unfortunately the the priest passed away, and my parents just adored him. And after that, we stopped going. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was unfortunate, but then. You know, I meet Myron, and faith just takes on a, a whole new meaning. You know, it was a it was a non-negotiable. We'll talk about non-negotiables later. Um, but we were going to church. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Um, so that's something that he instilled uh, very early on in marriage. Mm. But we didn't start off that way. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> no. You know, it, it, the story sounds good, but we started off. Let's keep it real. We're digging right in, right? Not necessarily in church, because my father is a pastor, and, you know, once I got to Virginia Tech, you know, I'd go to church a lot. And I mean, three and four times on a Sunday traveling to all these little towns in Louisiana. No, I didn't say we went to church in college. When we got married, that's right, that's right. Well, when we met, we we could have done some things differently, because once I got to college, Pastor you, honestly, I'd shut it down. Um, and it, was, it wasn't my parents. It, it had everything to do with me because my, my pursuit was really basketball and I wanted to play at the next level. And so basketball just became an idol for me. And that way, uh, I was not living the right life in, at Virginia Tech. I, you know, I just want to be honest with everybody in the room and not try to paint some picture. Uh, Courtney and I, we, we weren't living for Christ. But thank God, when we did get married, we decided to get married. I didn't want my kids to grow up in a home that they didn't know Jesus. And that's why the non-negotiable was, it's, we've got to start now because when we have kids, we want our kids to grow up in a Christian environment. Right. Yeah. So, so y'all came, you really came back to the Lord. You, you, you ran on for a long time. And then when y'all got married, the reality of the responsibility and the roots that have been planted in you mm-hmm. is... That, that was it because, you know, I've, I've seen my father and... My father's a tough man, but my father loves God. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the discipline, the structure in his home, and I've seen the fruit of his labor. I know that my father loves God. So even though I may not want to mimic some of that as a young man, you know, I'm in college 18 to 22 years old, just trying to spread my wings. As I became about 25 and we got married at 25, um, that's when I kind of understood that, you know what? God should be the center of our life because I saw how my father did. I saw the success also um, in my father, and it just reflected back on me. I want my family to be structured, to have God as the center, and I knew if I did it on my own, I was going to mess it up because I'd been messing up all the way from 18 to 25. Mm. So I knew I had to, I had to turn around. Mm. Great. So you guys are going to get married. What's, okay, so we want to just hear about y'all's junk because Heidi and I don't want to talk about any junk in our trunk. Looking back, no, they've heard they've heard our junk for the last twelve years. Yeah, but I got some I got some new junk. Anyway, (laughs) no, I'm done teasing. It's that's true, but anyway, (laughs) they're sick of hearing our junk. (laughs) Just looking back, I mean, you had opportunity to share with the congregation. Share what what were some things looking back? You go, man, if we could go back and replay this a little bit, what's some of the things that we would do differently? Premarital counseling. I think it's, it's so important to lay everything out because when you're blinded by true love, you think that you're never, oh, we're not going to have those issues. We're not going to run into those problems. I love him so much and he loves me so much. And we're just not going to care. You're going to care. You're going to care. Um, lay it all out. What are you going to do with your finances? How are you going to raise your children? What are you going to do during holidays? How are you going to handle in-laws? Talk about it. There's nothing too small. Talk about it and be honest about it. You know, the one thing, Courtney and I, we, we go back and reflect, and we planned for our wedding day, but we failed to plan for our eternity with one another. Think our about days that. On earth. Think about that. We spend so much what did you say? Time, energy, resources. I mean, sometimes a year, sometimes two years after you get engaged and you're just planning for this one day, one day, 
but you neglect to plan for the rest of your life. Mm. Like, I mean, I'm gonna ditch being a princess for a day to be a queen for the rest of my marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Drop the mic. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it, it it was one thing and, and I wish we could go back, but obviously we can't. But this is why we're here today, because I believe that there may be someone right now, a young couple or someone who's probably thinking about getting married. You know, we just needed a foundation. I did have my parents, don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, you, you go through a time in life as a young man, there's a little rebellion. You know, you want to do your own thing and you're not willing to ask your parents about certain things. And then uh, a, a little bit with my parents, uh, my parents are born in the 30s, so some of you may understand this. They, at that particular age, some, not all, it's not as talkative as probably some of the younger parents are today. You, you know, it's pretty much direct, this is what you do, this is what you get, and it's pretty stern. And, it, and, and they, nothing's wrong with that. That's just how my, my parents gave me their best. And, and I applaud them for it, but there were some other resources that I needed, mm. and I needed other couples to speak in my life mm. so that when Courtney and I, when some troubles and some storm hit, I knew how to handle conflict. Because the biggest thing, I think, as a young man, you don't know how to handle conflict. You know, and I'll be honest, as, a, as an athlete, I only knew how to handle conflict by winning. I, I had to win. And so when I get married and I have my five feet one wife that's telling me some things, I'm like, come on, I'm, I'm, I grew up with six, nine and six, ten men and I got a five, one woman just cut me down sometimes. How do I handle this, God? And I needed somebody to talk to me about that on how to on how to be gentle, because I wasn't taught how to be gentle on the basketball court. I was taught how to win at all costs. And that's been, you know, that's something brewing in you for a long time. I needed to be able to handle and speak to her emotions because she came with, you know, came at me. She needed me more, not, not just for financial provision, but emotional provision. Mm-hmm. And there were times when I was young, I just wasn't there. And you know what? Still learning it right now, man. Mm-hmm. Still learning how to be an emotional provider for my wife mm-hmm. because that, I'm not naturally inclined to that. But God has been working on my heart to do that. Mm-hmm. Sure. No, it's good. Courtney, you want to add, you want to add to that? I mean, give us, give us like, because you gave an example the other day, Courtney, you were talking about uh, you, how we don't need to go necessarily to our parents, because y'all, y'all are coming in, and by the way, the scripture says in Genesis, we already covered that a few weeks ago, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, because you, you were talking about a phone call with your mother-in-law. The, egg, the eggplant story. <laughs> okay. This is funny, and this is not going to throw mother-in-law into the bus oh, at all. No, no, no I no. mean, let me just preface with the, she can cook anything. And I don't even try to attempt to cook the things that she cooks because I could never, I just couldn't. So, uh, you know, she wants to make sure I was taking care of her baby. So she calls <laughs> and she, she, she's always like, what are you cooking? So on that particular day, I was making eggplant Parmesan. She was like, oh, what's in that? Eggplant and Parmesan. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, well, what kind of meat is in it? And I was like, there's, there's no meat. <laughs> well, I'm sure you all heard her say, no meat? I'm sure she thought that her son was just skin and bones. Poor baby. <laughs> um, but back to what he says in wise counsel. We all need wise counsel. And I know there, every single one of you, there's somebody coming to your mind. Mm-hmm that you know can provide you with wise counsel. There's also that other person that's coming to your mind that if you want to call them right now, whatever you say, they're gonna agree with you and they'll probably just take kerosene and put it on that fire, right? So who do we go to in those times? It's probably not a good idea to call your mama, (laughs) right? Try that. Yeah, I I mean, my mom's, I, I could be wrong as all get out. Oh, you're right, baby. Yeah, you totally should have done that. No, I shouldn't have. 
You know, who, who do we call? Who do we have on speed dial? Well, we made the mistake first getting married, you know, because you want somebody to have your back. And I knew I'm the baby of the family. Mama's got my back. <laughs> so when I felt that my wife was, was tripping, Mama, this is what she did. And, and so like the great mama she is, she agreed with me, you know. But then you start to understand that it was very, I put my mom in a very difficult place because I put her in the middle and I should have never put her there because I was to cleave to my wife. Mm -hmm. It's not, the scripture doesn't say cleave to my mama. Mm. You know, it, it, it's my mom, as you become an adult, there's a different relationship that you have with your parents, but there's a growing relationship that you have with your wife. And through those, that's why it was very difficult for the relationship to grow because I was getting some advice that wasn't objective, mm -hmm. okay? I'll be honest with you. If my baby girl right now, Sadie, when she gets married, if she comes to daddy, it'll be very difficult for me to give some objective advice yeah. if I know the husband's doing something wrong to her. You know, if I think that, I'm hoping God's works in my heart even right now. <laughs> but it, it was something that I had to, I had to learn. And once I learned that, and I can tell you, many of our disagreements, they started to wither away, or the intensity of them started to wither away because I just, it was very difficult going to my, my parents or your parents at that time. Well, and, and think about it. You know, we can kiss and make up, but mom and dad, they don't see that. You know, so we can wake up the next morning and everything's fine, and, you know, my mom or your mom is still mad, reflecting on what we told them the day before, mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. One of the things that we tell, we, we've done a lot of premarital counseling, not so much anymore. We have some of our great leaders and elders that do that. But, but all the premarital counseling we've done over all the years, and we didn't have premarital counseling. Back then, you didn't really hear a lot about that. You know, you just kind of jumped in it and went a wing and a prayer and hope, hope we make it and God be with us. And so... Um, but one of the things that we tell young couples all the time is, and we didn't do it on purpose, but it was just the grace of God in our life. The, the, when, we, when we got married, Eugene was in New Orleans. He was at a church in New Orleans on the West Bank. And my family was in Texas, and his family was in California at the time. And so we were, like, out on a limb on our own. And there were, and again, if y'all have been around and heard our story, and we may get into some of it later, but again different backgrounds that we came from and there was a lot of knockdown drag outs not physically but we got into it close yeah yeah real close and so uh uh but we say now the greatest thing that happened to us which was just by accident was that we weren't in close vicinity of any of our parents or family and back then if y'all remember there was a time, young people, that if you're under 30, you may not know this, that it was, there was a charge for long distance. We didn't have cell phones back then. So you have a regular phone at home, and you've got to pay for long distance. And you get a long distance bill in the mail. So we couldn't just pick the phone up. I couldn't just pick the phone up and call my mom or family or whoever. Eugene just couldn't pick the, I mean, because we didn't have any money back then and, and long distance cost a lot of money. And so we didn't, we just didn't make those phone calls. And the, the blessing of it was we were by ourselves, and we had to hash it out. There was no, there was no me packing the car up and going home, you know, to mom and dad or him doing whatever, because we were, we were on, there was the blessing in that. Then there was a curse in that because we really were alone and we didn't really establish people in our life to go to. But it caused us to have to work things out to go, I can get mad and kick and scream and cry all I want to, but I'm going to wake up in the morning and he's still going to be there. Mm -hmm. And so we, we got to figure this thing out because if we don't, it's going to be a hard, long, miserable road going forward. Mm -hmm. And so we say that often to, and, and we're not, not saying move away to the ends of the earth, but for us in our situation, it was a blessing because it caused us and forced us to learn how to communicate, how to fight right and 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 how to get over it because we, again we didn't have anywhere else to run to yeah we just we tell i tell young men all the time you know in, in the premarital and all that look being right winning isn't all it's cracked up to be i mean 
because it didn't take long to figure out, wait a minute, I can be right, but she didn't want to have anything to do with me at night. Or, huh. or, or any other time of the day. Or any other time of the day. 24-7, nothing to do with you. Yeah. <laughs> I, it took me about a week or so to go, I'd rather have some loving than to be right. <laughs> I'm wrong, baby. <laughs> I'll lose all the time and still win. <laughs> uh, We've I, lost this crowd. We're learning. <laughs> I, I agree with Pastor Yu. <laughs> I think one of the things, Eugene, and I think y'all are saying this as well. I think one of the things, if to look back and go, there are some things that we could have done differently, we, we should have done differently, is that we would have really established that wise counsel in our life. And, and that's, that was on us. That wasn't on somebody else to take that responsibility. That, and then years later, as we got a little bit more sense and you know then we realized we need to have people in our life we need people that'll speak truth to us objectively mm -hmm. that aren't going to take so and that that was our responsibility we had to take ownership of that and go we're going to seek out those people whose marriage is a little bit farther down the road than ours mm -hmm. is who is a good example not perfect but a good example and so we had to take responsibility and go we can't put that on anybody else just to know We've got to invite that into our marriage. We've got to invite that and go, can we sit down and be honest with y'all? Because the selfish part of us is you want to keep everything covered up because you don't want anybody to know your business and you don't want anybody to know how stupid you are. But then you get to the Which point. Which is stupid. Huh? That is stupid. Right. But then you get to the point you're so desperate and so miserable. You just go, we better get our act together and really invite other people in mm -hmm. to where we have wise counsel. And it's not just with marriage, it's with parenting, it's with life. It's, the Bible is true when it says that two really are better than one, that God does not intend for us to be an island to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we had to be really intentional and really purposeful in inviting other people to walk alongside of us. And I, I just, we just had Pastor Jacob and Michelle at our house the other day, and we're asking them questions. We're still asking them questions. They've been really a marriage mentor to us for 30 we weren't, almost we weren't in a fight or anything no we were not in a fight we were, but we were great we were navigating some issues uh, we were navigating our that life you weren't seeing clearly that we had to make sure you were seeing clearly <laughs> and out of the four of us three of us agreed <laughs> that you weren't seeing something clearly every head bowed and every eye closed we want to thank y'all for but we got it worked out, and you started seeing clearly. And it was glorious. That is funny, Pastor <laughs> No, it's not, Mary. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because it didn't happen to you, right? Um, okay, something else that we need to establish. Um, remember how we talked about the non-negotiables? Um, early on, we didn't fight fair. Uh, you know, if you have your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse, you know their buttons. You know there's something probably that you could say right now that would completely derail them. Don't go there, mm -hmm. right? Even in fighting, there needs to be some non-negotiables. I know that I can't say certain things to him and there are certain things that he can't say to me that unfortunately early on in our marriage, once you say that, that's it you're not going to get any reconciliation. Like, you know, you're going to have to wait till the next day where the mercies are new because, like, I mean, he, he would say something that would completely derail me. I didn't hear anything else. Mm. All I heard was that one thing that just cut me to the core. So establish those things, not in the heat of the moment, but even before, like, those are the things that you can even talk about, uh, you know, premarital counseling or just sit down when you're calm and say, okay, this is a non-negotiable. You can't talk about my family. You know? Mm -hmm. yeah, leave that alone. We, we <laughs> learned that real quick. <laughs> you know, 
don't don't talk about my mama and my dad. <laughs> and she's like, don't talk about my mama. But you know, that, that's something that we had to learn. And, and just the greatest thing is that, you know, eventually, like you said, learning how to disagree is very important because in marriage, you're going to disagree. Okay, I, I have a very strong wife. I have some very strong principles that's in my brain. And so in order to work those things together, it has to be um, a way that we can communicate with one another so the Holy Spirit can come within us and will activate within us so we can come to some form of agreement. You, you know what I mean? We even went through, it got to a point with Courtney and I, and I want everybody to know this, it's, this is important because a lot of people don't want to pursue this avenue. We went, to a, um, we went to marriage counseling. You know, we got to a point in our marriage, it was like, you know, certain things that we were trying to do on our own, mm -hmm. it just wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And we went to a marriage counselor that was able to speak to us about a few things, give us, given, gave us some techniques to use, which you know what, we still use to this day. Yeah. And so e even right now, right now, we probably went there maybe 10 years, 15, over 15 years ago, 12 years ago. And with that, you know, to this day, some of the things we haven't had a blowout like we, we did when we were younger just by utilizing some of those tools and some of those tools is that I'm not going to poke her on the side to bring out that person that she doesn't want to be mm. and she does the same with me she's not going to poke me on the side mm. to bring out that unfavorable person that she doesn't want to see mm. and, and I've utilized some tools because for, for me I try to process what my wife is saying now because before I had an answer, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, some men, I, I, I can fix this, I can fix, I can fix this. She just wanted me to listen. Or so she asked me a question, I wouldn't be listening. It's like, Mario, you're never listening to me. So I started to do this. Upon her questions, I take a step back and I say, babe, I'll get with you. Just let me think about it for a minute. And I'll get back with you about the question because I don't want to answer too quickly and give, a, give an answer that I regret. I want to come back and process it because that's how my brain works. And then I say, okay, babe, let's talk about this. And then we come back and have some decisions made in the home. It's but it's, it's not just not acting in haste because when, as younger, everything was quick, haste, microwave. Now I'm trying to be more of a crock pot, getting mm. a little bit older. Mm. Slow roasting it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Slow roasting it. And, and, and that's been, yeah, that slow rotisserie has been working <laughs> with, with my wife and I just by not speaking so quickly, yeah. just navigating through it, asking God to help me through it yeah. so I can come back and give a, an, an answer that God would be pleased with. And if God is pleased with it, I believe my wife's going to be pleased with it. Very good. Um, something else that we learned on, I need to talk to the ladies for a second. Um, tone. Say it again. Tone. 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 How do you talk to your man when you ask him for something? Right? I can't believe you haven't put this up. I can't believe you haven't done this. When are you going to get to this? Baby, can you please put this away for me? Done. <laughs> right? But a lot of times we get angry, let's say, if, you know, he's not seeing something that we, okay, example. I'm gonna let y'all in our den for a second. I asked him to put up the Christmas tree a few years ago and that thing was not put away in the manner of time that I thought it should be. Okay, that's my first mistake, right? And so then your tone gets funky. Well, that Christmas tree started collect dust because my tone was funky. When all I needed to say was, babe, can you please put the tree away? You know? But you get mad and you want to be right and you want to be sarcastic. I don't know about y'all ladies, but I can be very sarcastic. <laughs> it doesn't get me anywhere. So I just want to bring up tone. <laughs> and it works, right, men? I mean, honestly, for the most part, men, your wife can almost have you doing a lot of things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. And if she's nice about it, if she's, and you know, you see that charming side of her, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it, you know what I mean? But because of my nature and because of that little fight I have in me, if I feel there's some fight and some bark going back, then there are some times I get a little stubborn and I might not want to do it. But when she comes, when, when I, and it's not, it's vice, it's the same thing, it's vice versa as well. 
whenever I find myself speaking to my wife in a gentle tone, you see that, hey, she doesn't mind doing whatever for you. Because her, her love language is acts of service. And, I mean, you start to see it. Hey, Myron, let me do this for you. Let me get this for you. And, diff- and different things like that. Just by being nice, being gentle, being observant of her when she's in the home, making sure that I, I know the things that she likes, the things that she dislikes. All those different things I had to learn as a young man is that I have to be intentional in my household, observing my wife, looking at her likes, her dislikes, and really being appreciative of who she is. Am I perfect? Not at all. You know, you slip back, but God reminds me of the person that he gave me, and I have to have gratitude of the woman that God gave me. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm telling you, when you start to have gratitude about your wife, you start to some of her, the mishaps become minimized and you start to focus more so on the things that, you, that my wife is doing really, really well. Right. Because this was a saying I used to have at a business I had before. I told, we were, we were talking in a meeting, and I said, a lot of times we're focusing on the 3% instead of the 97%. Mm-hmm. And in marriage, the one thing somebody does wrong, it's like it's, it, it explodes to the greatest thing ever, but... She, your baby's been great for the past three months. Mm-hmm. And one mistake, you start, oh, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And you find yourself, the longer you've been with each other, you start to do that. But you have to have self-correction and ask God to help you in those moments. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've gotten better with that. Yeah, do we, do we fall short? Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. But I tell you what, we're way better now than what we were when we first started. It's a good word. Yes. It's a very good word. No, and I, I find it, and as you're saying that, Myron, it's amazing how much we really have more self-control than we realize we do. Because when we walk out of our door and when we are at work and when we're with other people, okay, we're not going to, most, most people are not going to go off on other people like we do those within our own home. And so we put on our self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit, the Bible tells us, and that we walk out and we represent Jesus to the people in our workplace or with our neighbors or with schoolmates or whatever. And then we come home and the very place we need the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in our life, we just cast it aside and we just lose all self-control. The very people that are the greatest gift to us. And, it, and it's recognizing and seeing this is a gift God has given me. And if I am nicer and kinder and show more love and appreciation to people outside of this house than I do inside this house, something's got to be corrected. Mm. Something's got to be corrected in that. I, I, I want to make sure that we get to this, this bringing different uh, dynamics into the home. Because anytime a man shall leave his father and mother, Courtney, you're leaving your household, and now you are becoming one household. There are some differences, and everybody recognizes that, because anybody who's married here, you, you bring in one dynamic, and she brings in another dynamic, and then you, those two dynamics are going to come together. How did y'all navigate that? I mean, what was the... <laughs> you know, in my home... My father was dominant. In Courtney's home, her mother was dominant. So we came together with two different perspectives of family. Mm -hmm. And we had to navigate through that. And there are some things we didn't understand um, in terms of of even just family, uh, head of the household, any of those things. I looked at it and it was very difficult at the beginning because, you know, in my mind, I thought I was right. In her mind, she thought she was right. In my mind, I thought that, you know, just being pretty much a provider from a financial standpoint, that was enough. In her mind, it was about, you know, more so from the emotional standpoint, I need more. And so we had some clashes on that early, even in terms of where I felt in terms of a place your wife should be, I didn't understand that my wife complimented me. Okay? Does does the Bible say that I'm the head of the household? Yes, it does. But it doesn't mean that I lord over my wife. My wife has one lord. Mm -hmm. I'm not her lord. That's right. Okay? So in terms of my, the way I speak to my wife, 
I'm not her Lord. My wife, God has created us as one in terms of union and one spirit, but she's God's daughter. Mm -hmm. I had to learn and understand that I'm speaking to God's daughter, mm. which put, I, I, am, I am in submission. I know men would use that word a lot, but I am in submission to God the Father. Mm -hmm. And once I had, a, had an understanding about surrendering and being in submission under the authority of God, then I would better be able to treat his daughter, talk to his daughter, love his daughter. And that's some of the things that I had to learn, but it was difficult because of my upbringing, because of the environment that I grew in, in a predominantly male-dominated home. So I mimicked what my father did, she mimicked what her mother did, and those two couldn't live together. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Okay. And so God had to come back and cultivate some things in our relationship. Courtney, you want to say anything on that? Amen. <laughs> Heidi, you want to say something? Baby? You got something? No, and we, we, we all do that. We bring, we bring all of that into a marriage. And there's the good that we need to bring, but then there's the not so great that we need to, to prune out. And, and understanding the, and I, I think we talked about it earlier, and you may hit on this, Eugene, that we're, we're not trying to, uh, we're not trying to mimic the family we came from and we were raised in, though we're going to bring the good attributes with us. We're trying to create, and the Bible says that we're to create a new family mm -hmm. and a new culture and how, how we're going to do it according to God's word. And so it's the wisdom, and, and sometimes you don't see it clearly. And I have a feeling that y'all didn't see it clearly. We didn't see it clearly. That's why you need other people helping speak to it, because you don't even realize what you're doing until somebody from the outside goes, hey, you know what, do y'all realize that y'all are doing this? And then you start recognizing what it really looks like. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. I love how you said that we're on the same team. We need to realize that, you guys, mm -hmm. that we're on the same team. We complement one another. We're not supposed to be enemies. But how often do we let our enemy convince us of that? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. That, oh, he's just doing that because he doesn't want, you know, me to succeed. Or, like, sometimes there's jealousy. We're on the same team. Mm. Um, I was listening to Tony Evans on the way here. And he said, hey, if the enemy can come in between husband and wife, he's got the whole family. That's right. So we need to be wise to his schemes, recognize them for what they are, and put them underneath our feet. Because mm. he's, he's not my enemy. Mm. And just, you know, last thing, just thinking about it, is that how, you remember, our fights were about who could win and not understanding that we were really fighting against ourselves and defeating ourselves. That's right. And God had brought us together and there was victory in that and all we had to do is just walk with each other. You know, be, be excited when my wife does something wrong, good, great, when, when, when good times happen with you, when you make some achievements. If my wife achieves and she gets promoted, you know who else gets promoted? Mm. Me. You do. And, that's just something I had to learn because it was all, you know, sometimes your ego gets in the way and your ego becomes bigger than your abilities. And sometimes that happens in marriage. Your ego becomes bigger than your abilities to even have a strong marriage with your wife. But thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. And thank God eventually for my obedience and our obedience that we can start walking in the way God wanted us to walk. So good. I just want to I just want to kind of wrap up a little bit today if I can because it, it it takes us it's always interesting to me that the Apostle Paul is going to talk about marriage and, and, and but yet he wasn't married it, it, have you ever met someone who talked about marriage but yet they weren't married but I love this about Paul because the Bible is inspired by God he's only going to give two commandments and, and I've always wondered, why, why isn't there more about marriage? Because this is my opinion. I think God gave, through Scripture, the two toughest things for us to accomplish in marriage, in a relationship. 
And if we can accomplish these two, we'll be cooking with gas with, with everything else. And, and here's, here's, this is the Apostle Paul. Go talk about marriage. He's just going to go, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is a savior. And, we, and, and women go, I don't like that word submit. That's a, the, amen? Man, I'm, I'm not submitting to anybody, you know. It means, it, it just simply means I'm going to cooperate willingly. I'm going to willingly cooperate because uh, we're on the same team. I'm going to willingly, we both, we're going to win. You win, I win. I win, you win. We're going to willingly cooperate together. Just wives do this. And then he's going to up the ante for the man. He's going to ask the man to do something that's even harder than it is for a woman to willingly cooperate with her husband. He's going to say to the husband, Love your wife as Christ loved the church. We just celebrated communion. We just remembered. He took lashes, pierced, sacrifice, thinking of the church before he thought of himself. And he's going to say, men, I want you to be unselfish. That's hard. To be unselfish, to think of her first. How many of you know, how many, girls, how many of you say, if my husband was unselfish and thought of me first and my joy, my pleasure, my good, my, how good things were for me, I'd follow him to hell with a squirt gun. <laughs> so I, I, want, I want you to see that the two work hand in hand. If you go, my wife just won't submit, then you probably, man, you ought to check your own heart and see if you're sacrificing and putting her needs before yours. Because most women will submit to a husband who thinks of her and, and holds her up high. Amen. Amen. Now watch this, watch this, I guess better, watch this, he goes, he, he goes, loved the church, gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing her with water through the word. That's why, men, your words are so important to your wife. That's what Courtney and Myron were talking about. It's just like we're letting our words cut instead of letting our words heal. The Bible says that the, life, the power of life and death are in the tongue. If you don't, husbands, if you don't like the wife you got, it's probably because of what you've been saying to her. Because whatever you say to her is what she will become. And vice versa. Whatever you say, if you say the right words to her, if you keep saying them over and over again, baby, you're fine. Even when you don't know if she's fine. I go, baby, you fine. How he goes, oh, my hair, I haven't even done my hair. I go, no, baby, you fine. <laughs> Whatever you say, you become. He said, you wash her with your words. Wash her with your words. I tell the young men all the time, look, if you, if you want an old nag, call her that. You want an old lady, call her old lady. You'll get an old lady. Whatever you call her is what she's going to grow up to be. The power of life and death are in the power of the tongue. And it's what Myron and Courtney were talking about. Watch this. I, I promise I am wrapping up. That means a keyboard player, by the way. Watch this. In the same, in washing her without the, the, the wrinkles, the blemish. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. We, we should love ourselves. If we love ourselves, we can love them. And then he goes on to say, after all, no one's ever hated his own body. Watch this. We're getting down to the point right here. For this reason, verse 31, he's going he's to quote Genesis. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And watch what, watch what he says, verse 32. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Oh, I thought he was talking about marriage. Well, he was talking about marriage, but he was using marriage as the example about Christ and his church. 
There is not a better reflection of Christ in the church. It's not me preaching on Sunday or Pastor Myron preaching a great message on a Sunday. It's not the worship set that we just did. The greatest testimony to the world out there is a man who loves his wife and a wife who willingly cooperates with her husband. It's like a fragrance. It's like, man, what, what, man, what is it about you? Because, because you don't see it anywhere else. And so I want to, we want to pray over your relationship. In fact, we're going to give you, we're going to give you some discussion questions. We're going to we're get you talking about it. I want you to, to have some things to talk about at home. Just to start, we'll put them up there. You can take a picture. Y'all all smile. Ready? One, two, three. We, we, want you, we want you to talk about them and, and, and talk with your spouse. If you're single here, hey, babe, we're just giving you the answers before you got to take the test. We're just giving you the answers. If you're on your first marriage, this is your last one. Your second one, this is your last one. Your third one, I, can't, I did that one time in church. One, two, three, four, and somebody yelled out, five! <laughs> and so if you're here today, if your fifth marriage, make this one your last one. It's going to take some work. Everybody look right here. Right here. I promise I'm going to pray for you. Watch this. God gave me that woman to change me. And God gave her me to change her. And it's the purpose of marriage to make us more in love with him. Amen. Grab your mate right there by your hand. Let me pray over you. Father, I pray over the marriages that are represented here. I pray, Father, by your Holy Spirit that maybe something today, a seed, fell into some ground that needs to bring some fruit forth. Lord, that you'll, you'll see we're all, we're all a work in progress. And then maybe today your light just wanted to shine upon something in our own heart, our oneness, our marriage. We're not two, we're one. That, and I, so I pray, Father, by your Holy Spirit, that, Lord, you would illuminate just the message today, the conversation today that would plant something in our heart that's going to bear incredible fruit in each of our lives. So I pray your blessings over every relationship. I pray that they would continue to grow closer to you and grow closer to one another, closer to you and closer to one another. So, Father, that is our prayer today as we bless every single one of these marriages today. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want to leave today without just the opportunity for someone to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He loves you, sacrificed his life for you, was the perfect husband. And today he would like to make you a part of his bride. Jesus said you can't see the kingdom or enter the kingdom until you've been born again. And if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, he's here today, he loves you, he's not mad at you. In fact, this is an invitation for you to surrender your life to him to make him the Lord. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand up all over the building and say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Today's my day. Thank you. I see your hands. I see your hand. Anybody else? Hold it up for just a second. Thank you. I see your hand. Can we just pray together? Would you say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you're the Son of God and that you sent your Son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for my sin. Please forgive me. I repent. I give you my life today. I surrender to you. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.